2: To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. Hi
1: and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm Dr. Amy Robbins and I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium. And here we discuss life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. Today, I have psychic and medical intuitive Julie Ryan back on the show. Julie can sense what medical conditions and illnesses a person has and facilitate energetic healing. She can communicate with spirits both alive and dead. Julie can scan animals, access people's past lives, remove ghosts from homes and other buildings, and tell how close someone is to death. Her book, Angelic Attendance, What Really Happens As We Transition From This Life Into The Next, describes a series of events that involve angels, multitudes of deceased family and friends, the spirits of deceased pets, and countless serendipitous and miraculous moments. Each week, Julie scans callers on her Ask Julie Ryan podcast, which is heard by millions in over 100 countries throughout the world. Julie is a businesswoman, inventor, author, podcaster, and serial entrepreneur. Her surgical device inventions are sold globally, and she has founded nine companies in five different industries. Julie's psychic and medical intuitive skills are learned. And today, I'm honored to welcome Julie Ryan back to the show. Welcome. Thanks so
3: much. It's a thrill to be with you again.
1: Thanks. And last time um, we spoke about medical intuition, but today we're going to talk more about your book and transitioning because I think there's a lot of questions out there about what happens to us as we near death and what happens to our soul or our spirit versus what happens to our body. So you have a system where you can identify how close a person
3: is to dying.
1: Can you, can you explain that to
3: us? Sure, sure. I call it the 12 phases of transition, Amy. And it's how deceased loved ones and angels show up and surround the person as they're transitioning. And they form different configurations. So based on the configuration, I can tell how close to death they are. For instance, my neighbor across the street, her dad had a stroke on Sunday, two days ago, early Sunday morning, Saturday night, early Sunday morning, and she's texting me saying, okay, what phase is he in? He's in the ICU. He's dying right now, and I can tell how close to death he is. I'm able to communicate with him telepathically, but she'll say, well, how much time do we have? And I'll say, let's see how fast he progresses through the 12 phases, So when she first texted me a day ago, 24 hours ago, he was in phase four. Then by the end of the day, he was in phase six. So some people will go through all 12 phases in an instant, like in the case of a very, very quick death, suicide, homicide, car accident. You'll hear somebody will say, well, they dropped dead of a heart attack. They go through all 12 phases in an instant. Some people, it takes days, weeks, months. I have a gal who calls into my show and her dad has been in phase 11, which is the right before they leave to take off to go to heaven. He's been in that phase for two years, Amy. So everybody's path is different.
1: And can you walk us through the phases and what they look like? Because sure. they don't sure. look this way to the person dying, do they? I mean, do they know that their mother-in-law who passed away, is right? It was like the maternal side is at one part of you and the paternal yeah. side is on the other side. and Yeah,
3: absolutely. Well, first of all, the spirit separates from the body. As I perceive it, Amy, the body is inside the spirit, and the spirit is the everlasting part of us. So that would be why if you... If you look at a picture of a religious figure, oftentimes they're depicted with a halo around their head or sometimes around their whole body. That's their energy field. It's their aura. It's their spirit. The spirit is the power source for the body. So when somebody is dying, the spirit... where the words are, or where the um, the thoughts of the character in the cartoon are. And then as the person that-
1: Julie, I hate to interrupt you. You yeah. cut out okay for a minute. So you were saying where you cut out was the spirit separates. Okay. And then I so didn't hear it. I'm going to start,
3: start back up a little bit, like yeah. the spirit's inside the body.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then I can just easily cut it.
3: Okay, I'm so sure. we're, all, we're all spirits attached to a body having a human experience. And this as I perceive it, Amy, the body is inside the spirit, not the opposite. So if you think about looking at a picture of a religious figure, oftentimes they're depicted with a halo around their head or around their whole body. That's their spirit. That's their energy field. That's their aura. All those different terms mean the same thing. And the spirit is the power source for the body. So when somebody's dying and when somebody eventually dies and their spirit separates from their body, their body don't work anymore because the power source is the spirit. So as the spirit is separating from the body, it attaches to the top of the head and it looks like a bubble. And it reminds me of the bubble that you'll see in a cartoon caption either where the, the character in the cartoon, where their thoughts are there, what they're saying is is located in that bubble. And then as they progress through the 12 phases of transition, deceased loved ones and angels show up and take different configurations. But the interesting thing to me about this, Amy, is that the mother spirit is always the one running the show from the spirit world. Mm. I find that fascinating.
1: The, but what... The mother spirit, meaning what if the mother hasn't crossed over yet?
3: Then it's the closest maternal relative, that person's spirit. So let's say if your mother was still alive and you were dying, it, and your it would be your maternal grandmother. If she was still alive, it would be her mother, your maternal great-grandmother, but always on the maternal line. And somebody told me recently, a geneticist told me recently that, and I've never heard this before, and I haven't had a chance to check it out, but that the DNA, the strongest strain of the DNA comes from the maternal line. Have you ever heard that in Mm-mm. your research? Mm-mm. I'm going to research that and see if that's the case. This was a geneticist that told me this, so I took it at face value. Mm-hmm. But I find it fascinating that, We mothers think that our children are raised once they're adults and on their own, but we're still playing mom and helping them even from the grave, even from heaven when they're dying. It's the mother the closest maternal spirit that is is controlling what's going on in the spirit world, bringing in angels, bringing in other deceased loved ones. So
1: explain what this looks like to you as you're watching someone progress towards death
3: i can scan somebody which means i connect to them energetically and i close my eyes and i have a vision in my mind's eye and for instance if somebody is dying they this if the spirit bubble is attached to the top of their head that means they're dying when i see that and then that's phase 1 and then phase 2 the mother spirit arrives, and the mother spirit, as I'm looking at it, is always on the left side. So the, which is interesting to me, because the left side is the feminine side of the body, the right side's the masculine side. So that's always where they're positioned. And then by phase three, the mother spirit has called in angels. And these are big old angels, Amy. They look like They look like Stepford angels to me. Mm -hmm. You know, they all look the same. They're between six and seven feet tall, big white robes, you know, big white wings, the whole nine yards. Is that what angels really look like? Who knows? That's how they appear to me based on how I was raised to think this is how angels look. Mm -hmm. Certainly somebody raised in a different culture, in a different religion, in a different country, perhaps, is going to see angels as maybe a a purple circle of energy or something. It's just how they appear to me so that I can identify who they are. And then by phase four, what's happening is that circle of angels that's anchored by the maternal and paternal spirit, it's starting to open up into a horseshoe. And as that horseshoe continues to open up and get wider and wider and wider, eventually being a straight line across the, the bottom, let's say the patient's in a bed at the bottom of their feet, they end up being the line of demarcation between this reality and that reality. And they almost act as a lap, I say that's like their angelic crowd control because there are so many spirits of deceased loved ones who are there to greet the person and, and help lead them into paradise. So it's really fascinating, but I can scan something.
2: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
3: How close to death they are based on that. Plus, I can communicate with them telepathically.
1: So after the horseshoe opens, what happens next?
3: As the horseshoe continues to open, there are more and more spirits that show up of deceased loved ones from all lifetimes. Yeah, that's and, what I was
1: going to ask. Because what if you only know, you know, that you had, you know, you only were connected to, like your great grandmother, your great great grandmother? Right.
3: Right. It's it's fascinating when I see spirits that are in a, in the room uh, there with someone when they're dying because I can describe what a lot of them look like and the family will say oh that's Aunt Maggie or that's Uncle Stanley or whomever and then I can describe pets spirits that are there too and I'll say okay well it's a Dalmatian that's there and there's a Chihuahua or whatever and they'll know what those animals names were it's funny with animals sometimes I'll see farm animal spirits in the room And so I'll ask the family, I'll say, well, did grandma grow up on a farm by any chance or did she live on a farm? And they'll say, oh yeah, she grew up on a farm and those were her pets. That's hysterical when I see that. It's hilarious.
1: And when you say past lives, you know, people from past lives, what if they've reincarnated? Like, how does that work?
3: The spirit is... Also stays in non-physical and attaches. It's like there's a part. How I understand it, Amy, is there's a part of the spirit that stays in heaven, for lack of a better term, or in non-physical, and then there's and then there's a part of the spirit that's here as well with the body. Gotcha.
1: Okay. Does that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So the whole spirit or soul. You can use those words interchangeably. right sure. Exactly. Yeah is not here. There's still a piece connected to the other side.
3: There's a, the way that I explain it is how you just explained it. And that's how our human minds can comprehend it. What I believe is that we're all made in the image and likeness of God. And a lot of us, when we think that initially we think, okay, God looks like some old man with white hair and a white beard. You know, like Gandalf in Lord of the Rings or Dumbledore in the Harry Potter movies or Father Time even. And I don't perceive it that way. What I perceive is that we're made in the image and likeness of God in spirit form and that God is just energy and God can be everywhere all at the same time. And that's how I perceive our spirits are. So the interesting thing about when I see spirits from past lives, and I always do when somebody's dying is... They show up in period dress so I can say oh you know that was somebody from the Renaissance period that was somebody from ancient Egypt that was somebody from wherever and it's fascinating to see mm-hmm. that hmm
1: so all these spirits show up and right. then what happens
3: what happens is as the person gets closer to death there are two angels that appear on either side of their spirit bubble Again, looks like a cartoon caption. And as as they get closer to death, their wings start to move. And as their wings move, they remind me of a very um, slow, methodical movement. It reminds me of a giant owl. If you've ever seen a documentary or seen a movie where there's a giant owl flying, they're silent, but you can almost feel the drag that their big, giant wings move as they're going through the air. And as these angels' wings move, Amy, it's interesting because it creates a vortex above the person's head. And that helps facilitate the separation of the spirit and the body. And, and the first time I saw all this stuff was when my own mother was dying in 2002. And I thought, oh, my gosh, am I hallucinating? What am I? What is this? I thought – I'm watching these angels' wings move and I'm watching this, looks like a bottle cloud. You know, looks like a, like you see pictures of a tornado, it looks like mm-hmm. a vortex, like a tornado looks, that's spinning above her head and it's being caused by this angel's wings movement and this hole is opening where the vortex is between the he- her head and her spirit bubble. And I thought, well, this is gonna be interesting, see what happens here. And eventually what I saw was and what I've seen just countless times with unlimited amounts of people now is I watch the spirit go through that vortex and that's what helps the body and the spirit separate, helps the spirit lift to separate from the body. The most interesting part about that is when I was researching some of this for my book, Angelic Attendance, I just for kicks, I Googled giant owl, moving wings, vortex. And what I got was it's called the wingtip vortex. There are pages and pages and pages of diagrams. It's how every animal that flies, every plane, every kite, every jet, every whatever they create as they move, The movement of the wings creates what's called a wingtip vortex, which forms underneath the wing and causes lift. And I thought, oh, for heaven's sakes. You know, literally, this is something being caused by the movement of angels' wings that I watch that causes a physical thing to transpire that helps the person transition. It's just magical. It's amazing. And so it's wingtip. Wingtip vortex. You're going to see all these aeronautical engineering drawings about the wingtip vortex.
1: And so the the wings lift the spirit, the soul, the out wing of the body. Like they help it disconnect more. The wings cause a
3: vortex to form. Okay. The vortex is an upward pull that helps the spirit separate from the body. It, it reminds me of when you go to the car it wash. Sounds, and, it's wild. It's wild. Yeah, it
1: sounds out there.
3: It is. <laughs> I know. But it reminds me of when you go through the car wash and you stay in the car and you get to the end of the car wash and they turn the dryer on and it's sucking all the water off your right. car you drive out of the car wash. And then it kind of shoves you out. And then it jumps you out exactly because you're on that conveyor belt. Well, that's exactly what it it feels like. It feels like the sucking that's upward. I can feel it, I can see it, I can hear it. And the first time I saw it with my own mother, Amy, I thought, oh my God, Ryan, you're just you just need to go home and rest because you're hallucinating or something. But I but I wasn't. The thing that came to me was I was raised Roman Catholic and there's a prayer said at the end of every Catholic funeral, and it's called In Paradisum. And In Paradisum talks about the angels and your loved ones will greet you and lead you into paradise. And it originated best in my research as a fifth century Gregorian chant. So I have to believe that people can have seen these phases of transition that I'm talking about, they've seen them from the beginning of time. And perhaps it took till the fifth century till somebody was learned enough. And certainly most, some of the most learned men were in monasteries. You know, women didn't, most women weren't educated, but perhaps it took till the fifth century for somebody really to write that down of what was going on. Because certainly as we've become more well-educated as a society, we've become more proof-based, right? And, and we perhaps have lost some of our intuitive capabilities to see with other senses instead of our five senses that we recognize today. So certainly I've seen this countless times since that, and it's always just an amazing experience for me to help a family and it really helps comfort the family and it adds Amy a glorious component to what is normally a heart wrenching situation. Mm-hmm.
1: Cause you talk with them about what you're seeing and who's Absolutely. who's Absolutely. there to help. Now do they, so I interviewed uh, Lisa Smart a while back who wrote this book called the Fi- um, words in transition she mm-hmm. does a final words project where she researches words, things that people say as they near yeah. death. Yeah. And so there are times where people see exactly what you're describing. I think oftentimes right. we uh, attribute it to like they're hallucinating or they're right. not experiencing, you know, their brain is shutting down or whatever it is. Right. Right. Um, and and to your point, this can go on for quite a long time. Cause I right. guess time on the other side, there is no time, right? It's not the, certainly not the way we think about.
3: Well, it's a human invention, you know, our calendar, our clock, that's all a human invention, linear time. Yes.
1: So when people are moving towards death, do they ever not know they're moving towards death and they're seeing like angels showing up for them? And that's, um, a sign that there might be moving towards death, even though they don't know it, like, would it ever be that someone hasn't yet had a stroke, but they're going to, and loved ones start kind of showing up in preparation for this, and it almost becomes like a
3: premonition? Great question. I think I'm going to give you a two-part answer for that. Okay. The 12 phases of transition, it has been my experience in 25 plus years of doing this work that when somebody is dying is when the phases start. Okay, so there when the spirit bubble is attached to the top of the head, that's when the 12 phases start. That's like, okay, we're on the, we're getting ready to check out path. We're getting ready to die path. We're in, the dying, we're in the dying exercise. How about that? That doesn't mean they're going to die. Certainly, I've seen people that have been in phase 11 of 12, and they've come back, and they're living to tell the tale 10 years later. Right. So there's that. But, but it's been my experience that when somebody is dying, I'll see them in one of the 12 phases. The second part of my answer is we're all surrounded by deceased loved ones. All the time.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
3: as somebody is transitioning towards death, what I find is that this they it's like they have one foot in the spirit world and one foot in the human world, and they're they're able to perceive more of the spirit world as they're transitioning, which would be why they're saying, "Okay, I'm seeing my mother." And their mother's been dead for 40 years, or I'm seeing my grandmother, or I'm seeing Jesus, or I'm seeing Buddha, or I'm seeing whoever. Um, And they could
1: also be seeing the beautiful, the world, right? The spirit world.
3: That's right. That's right. And so what I find, too, is that most of the hospice material has this in it now. And it says, expect your loved one to say they're seeing deceased loved ones. That's very much part of the experience and and when you talk to most people who've worked in hospice for any amount of time they have amazing stories about people talking about who they've seen and it's it's just not something that's normally feasible that they're going to make up out of the blue you know they're seeing when my mother was dying i saw a man who was a priest. She was a Catholic grade school principal, and and this priest's spirit was there. Well, that priest had been dead for 25 years. He, he was her boss. He was the parish pastor. I hadn't thought of that priest for 25 years, but his spirit was there, and he was dressed how he was dressed when we were kids. He had the same, and I thought, okay, I saw dog spirits that we had as kids. I saw dog spirits that were there that I didn't know who they were, but at my mother's funeral when her brother, her only sibling, her brother was in and I was asking him about it, he was telling me the dog's names. Hmm. I mean, it's just stuff that you can't make up. Mm-hmm. So it really helps comfort the family because it adds really a glorious component to the equation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard that when hospice, that there are hospice workers who are not trained mediums, who haven't done work in, you know, learning to really open up their intuition have had the experience of actually seeing like either some sort of white cloud or something off out of the top of the head.
3: That's the spirit bubble we're talking about. The other thing is people who've had near-death experiences, Amy, they talk about going through a tunnel. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's exactly what I see happen. That spirit is separating from the body. So, of course, they're going to see what's happening in the body. They're going to sense that, and it always goes up out of the top of the head. And oftentimes, people that have had near-death experiences, and they're broad across all cultures, all socioeconomic.
1: Yeah, I've interviewed several people who've had yes,
3: near And they talk about oftentimes that they're watching from above. It's like they're floating above their body, and they're watching people trying to revive them, or they're watching a scene from up above, and that correlates with the spirit bubble. So I find that that there's lots of information out there about near-death experiences, lots of information about what happens once we have what the what the spirit world seems like and all of that, but not much that I could find anyways about what happens as we're dying. Mm-hmm. as we're transitioning. And that's the part that's really frightening to most people. What, what's going to happen? How do I do this?
1: Well, another really fascinating conversation today. And if people are interested, where can they find you and where can they find your book? I'm sure Amazon.
3: Amazon, Barnes & Noble, pretty much any place it's sold. It's available in libraries. It's available in university libraries. There's a audio book, a uh, audiobook, uh, paperback, and also digital. You can get it on your reader or your Kindle or whatever you like to use. And all of the information is available at askjulieryan.com. So the links to the, the booksellers are there. Any, anywhere you buy books, you can get it.
1: Well, thank you again, Julie, for your time today and for this really enlightening and mind-blowing conversation about what happens as we move towards death.
3: You are so welcome. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Have a great day.
3: You too. Take care.
1: You too. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Curious about what comes next and what it all means? You can subscribe on iTunes. Just go to podcasts and find life death, and the space between, and hit subscribe. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins. Ask me any questions you might have, let me know what else you'd love to hear about, or just share your story. I can't wait to hear from you.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well,